and it is episode, I believe, 93 of the Cherokee Rewind. Thanks for hanging out. I am Mick. You know who you are. So anyway, we appreciate you tuning in. This time around, we're going to go back to 1996 through 98, and we're going to say hello to a guy who, uh, in his uh, in the 96-97 season, was on the silver medal team for the Cherokee. And then in 98, the Cherokee won it all, and he was on that roster as well. He goes by the name of Nick Diachin, and uh, Nick is uh, is a pretty cool guy. I he, he won me over back then because I thought he was just really cool, and I was really appreciative of him. You know, you know he didn't get all the playing time in the world, but by God, he worked hard at it. And uh, his, I remember your mom, Nick, uh, coming up all the time to see you play. And whether you were in the lineup or not, she, she came through to a lot of games. And I just thought that that kind of dedication was cool. And um, usually, I guess, I remember in the 98 season, I know we had talked prior to this, and you couldn't remember, you had had several numbers in the earlier season, in the prior season. But in 98, when the team won it all, when you guys won it all, uh, you wore 17, correct? I did. I kid from Lexington, Kentucky doing playing hockey? I was going to say, the cool part is that, you know, you talk about your, your getting your start with youth hockey. It wasn't because there was a youth hockey league to join. It was because of people like your mom that got involved and said, hey, let's start something here. Tell me about that. I was obsessed with it, and I had a 
get into all that stuff with the Cherokee here in just a little bit. First off, um, tell me, I mean, what was the hockey like back there in Lexington? I mean, or the quality of hockey when you started playing, uh, whether it was house league or when you got into travel, uh, what was that kind of like? Uh, uh, if you don't know anything different, you don't know how bad it is, right? Uh, but it was, I, I So did you play, uh, were you always a forward or did you play defense at all? Did you ever take a turn in goal? coaches were when you were growing up? high school at all? Did you ever consider playing high school? Or did Lexington not have any teams? I, I fantasized about high school, but uh, it, it, it wasn't even... The youth hockey program was so small that we had a midget team, 
uh, I mean, in high school age, we had a band team and a midget team. Uh, by the time I was actually midget age, uh, we had two teams, but and that was for the entire city. So there certainly wasn't enough enough people playing hockey to have a high school program. They have, they have high school hockey now, from what I understand. Uh, oh yeah, it's been around for a little bit now, and, and I, 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 I assume it's going well, and it's probably growing just like everywhere else in the country. But at the time, it wasn't even an option. I remember we would play some high school teams, and I just thought that was, I was like, holy cow, these people are playing in high school, and uh, oh man, where would we play? We play in Central Ohio, somewhere they had cheerleaders at the games. I'm like, what is that? Like, wow, like a whole high school sanctioned sport. You know, I thought this was like. The backwoods things that uh, none of my friends, you know, knew what I was even doing. But Holy so shit. no, I never had to play ice hockey. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's funny uh, or not funny, but just uh, not funny, haha. But uh, odd and and, and weird because Lexington is forever tied to uh, Toledo in a weird way and an unfortunate way, and that is um, the. It was, I think it was Lexington Catholic or something like that, that um, they were playing at one, I think it was Clay here in Toledo uh, in a suburb called Oregon. Anyway, they were playing down in, uh, I think down in Dayton for a tournament. And one of their guys hit one of our guys awkwardly and he went, uh, well, it pretty much paralyzed him, long story short. Oh, no. Yeah, so it's like that's, you know. Lexington, like I said, Lexington and Toledo will forever be intertwined for that unfortunate reason. And the young man is, uh, you know, he's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's still around to this day, still, you know, trying to live a life. And, uh, you know, that's one of those unfortunate things. But, you know, uh, life goes on, as they say. So hopefully, you know, he will too. But um, now uh, let's talk back. Let's get back to the, to the, Nick, Nick story, and that is um, you played. So when you played down there, up through you said through Bantam. Uh, I was in the division. I was seventeen when I when I was in the church. Okay, so um, midget. All right. So now, uh, what kind of uh, you know when you played midget? What kind of a player were you? Were you like the guy they looked to to light the lamp? Were you the guy they looked to for physicality? Were you uh, defensive forward? What kind of a, a player were you back then? Uh, well, uh, I, I have to mention the landscape again before I answer it because uh, if I lived in, uh, you know, Boston or uh, Minneapolis, uh, I certainly wouldn't have filled the role that I filled. Like, but with a limited number of players. Uh, certainly limited number of uh, players that have had opportunities to play juniors or uh, move on in that way. Uh, you know, I was one of a handful. So uh, kind of kind of all of that stuff. You know, I'm a, I'm a fairly small guy. Uh, so I wasn't really active. I wasn't expected um, to run into everybody, but I kind of did. Um, which probably served me well. I was part of my role with Toledo. And I also, I, I scored, um, yeah, I was kind of expected to do all of it, I guess. There was only a, a couple players that were, uh, um, had a lot of years under their belt playing, and so, uh, that didn't, yeah. so, didn't yield that many folks that 
Yeah. Now, well, let me go back for a minute, though. Let me ask you, who inter- you talked about, you know, a relative or two that introduced you. How old were you when you first put on skates? When I first started skating, uh, like I said, I, I, I should have talked to my family and asked a few questions ahead of time. But my recollection, uh, we went on those trips to Texas where we saw, I don't know, some ice rink in the middle of the mall. And I just saw my brother skating around. I thought he was one of the fastest I'd ever seen. I thought he had rockets on his feet. I was just like, this is unbelievable. Uh, and it's kind of one of the full charts of my memory. But... When we went back home, I remember one piece of ice skating for a couple of years. So I think I was three or four, and then about five, I think, is when they started dressing uh, talking. Okay. Well, did you have any teams that you rooted for when you were growing up, or any players that you saw that? I did. I did. I was uh, I was I was pretty obsessed with Mario Lemieux, and as a result, it went proximity-wise. Uh, then the Detroit were kind of the closest to left of the <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, a view of sort of pictures and art and uh, drawings that didn't school instead of my work and whatever. Well, I'm glad you didn't, uh, you weren't with us then uh, with uh, the Cherokee back about, I think about a decade ago. Uh, his He had a nephew that played for Pittsburgh in our league. And whenever we'd go to the road trips to Pittsburgh, uh, inevitably, during he would wait till after the game started, and he would just kind of quietly saunter over along rinkside, along the boards there at the glass, uh, away from everybody, and just be sipping a yeah. coffee. And he'd watch his nephew play hockey. So, I don't know. I, I got to meet him once. He was an incredibly fine guy, really nice. I was like twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad brought me to pick this game for Christmas. And my parents gave me a game for Christmas. My dad Have that count or that jersey? Oh yeah, hanging up in my house. <laughs> uh, got, gotta love obsession, obsessions. They're fun. Yeah, anyway. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't pray to it anymore, but uh, but it's there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, um, so Nick, um, what do you think was it that uh, what got you to Toledo? I mean, did you, were you recruited at all? Uh, were there other teams looking at you? Did you uh, think about, or did you just go to an open tryout? What happened? Uh, again, I'll talk to what I remember of it. And I would go to the, I would go to the collect tryouts for the uh, And they were all, or I was stuck in a region with uh, Illinois and Ohio. 
Ohio. Um, and I believe the tryouts were always, the ones I went to were always in Toledo at Denver. Um, and so I had a little bit of exposure. I, I don't know. I had exposure to either the team or maybe they talked to me or I don't remember how the whole thing went, but I basically learned on juniors as a result of going to those tryouts uh, for USA Hockey. And then, uh, yeah, I just started going to try, I think I just started going to tryouts. And then I ended up at Toledo's and uh, I ended up there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, who was it that came and approached you about possibly uh, playing for the team? Was it uh, Scott or was it Omi? Or? I think it was Scott. It might have been Omi. I know it was not done. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was Scott. And, but I, I don't remember the initial dialogue, but I remember uh, sort of the more serious dialogue. Uh, and... Yeah, and he basically, I mean, I've, I've always, those guys as well, I think that uh, Thomas Bean, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, a few of my own mistakes. Thomas Bean is that, that coaching staff is incredible. Uh, and that was probably the mastermind of that, that whole thing. He understood roles of individuals, he understood uh, that a team is a living organism, that you know, can destroy itself and become stronger. And, uh, he, he saw a role for me, I think. It wasn't a goal scorer, that's for sure. And I think there was a degree of, you know, hey, I'll just be honest with this kid and his family, and he wants to come and bang his head against the wall for a while. Um, he's welcome to do so, and we'll bring him with open arms. But uh, if he ever stops trying, we'll get rid of him. And I like that requirement. Hmm. So now, do you remember what it was like when you walked into that locker room that first year? I don't remember the initial day. I mean, it honestly kind of described the whole kids and juniors and through showing up the first day. Uh, it's all kind of a whirlwind. all locker rooms full of dudes who I'd never met before that I knew were probably better hockey players than me if you really go over town. But I wasn't going to show them any of that because they find that out on their own. Um, and I was going to show them that uh, I was there to try as hard as I could and make sure a little bit take the job. Well, um... And, uh, and, but but I, I think that sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess that's... I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really remember the initial bit, but I remember coming in and just knowing I had to work really hard. And that I had to have my head down and just learn as much as I could because I didn't know very much. I, I was relying on just uh, kind of general athleticism and uh, being a good skater and a good passer. So I was able to practice those a lot. Uh, but the level of play was not high enough for me to have concerns or well enough or uh, have my decision made to be quick enough Okay. Well, you know, it's it's funny because I mean, I I didn't I don't remember you much from the first season. I remember you very much in the second season. Uh, but yeah. uh, t- tell me about what it was like in that first season. 
as you got to know some of your teammates, as you guys bonded, what was it like when you uh, when you were able to uh, figure out a few things and you know some of the guys figured out what they wanted to know about you? Uh, what was that like? Oh, it was great. Um, that that team was incredible. Um, they they were very close knit. Uh, you have a large number of people, um, so there's there's that that degree. But uh, but I mean, we were all there for one reason. It felt like me. Maybe I was naive uh, to other people's circumstances, but certainly my mindset was that uh, we were sort of all loyal to one another, and that. We would all work hard and we expect one another to work hard. Um, I think the coaching staff derived that from us because there was a, in my eyes, there was a very well placed definition of the, the team members and the coaching staff. And um, even to the point of that uh, you, you grow closer with common enemies. And I certainly wouldn't call the coaching staff common enemies, but. Um, maybe a common adversary that they were pushing us. So they were driving us every day, and as a result, we had to bond together. We, I mean, every day we, we did PT and we ran and we uh, lifted, and some of us would go lift more. I mean, it was like, uh, it wasn't even an expectation. It was just like, what a life. Now, uh, you know, I've I... Just uh, like I said, first season. Uh, tell me about like some of the guys that you remember. I mean, obviously, you know the guys that were there year one and year two. You know the Avinks, the Kellemeyers, Stum. You know all those guys, Bricker. Um, but uh, how about some of the other guys that were in in the in your first year? Because I think that was like uh, Jason Reniger, um, Sean Bratton. Uh, the Deitches, uh, you know, guys like that, Kevin Silver, uh, just a few names throwing out there that I remember off top. Because I do all this from the top of my head. I don't look stuff up and try to cheat and, you know, say, you know, you scored this whatever. Uh, but yeah. uh, I just try to remember names as I go because I got 20 years yeah. worth. Now, tell me about some of those guys that you remember in that first For sure. And I, I, I didn't answer your question the first time. I apologize. But, yeah, I, I'll tell you about Donnie Humphrey. I don't want to forget, and I thought about this, and he was just like, things on the ice. Uh, Kevin Silver, I think he used to wear, like, magazines on his shins for shin guards, and, like, maybe a cardboard box for shoulder pads or something. And I feel like he hit me harder than I've ever been in my life doing anything. I've fallen off some really, really big objects in the mountains, and and I took really big collisions in my life that on and off the ice and I swear to God you that's the biggest impact I've ever felt having that guy hit me. Um I remember him in the um, shoot north east corner of Panoshin, uh the east ring and he just obliterated me. So he was amazing. He went on to play I assume higher level box but uh that was a guy that hasn't come up much. Uh Donnie Humphreys is my is my Alfie brother, uh, my Bill family, and we were, we, he moved from California to play on that team. His family moved, and uh, they lived right by the ring. I remember showing up the first day. I told my, uh, you know, my grandparents, I don't know, 1980 something, he was the guy 
like the five showed up in their house. They had, I don't know, like a 125-pound Rottweiler uh, that they were welcoming and loving, and they got the door open and just the screen door there, and I walked up to the house, and I'm like, whoa, this is like, a, there's a bear in the door, you know? Uh, <laughs> I knocked on the door, and the creature lets me in, and meet the family, and Donnie on the team, and uh, he was great. I mean, he was, he was truly a brother. I mean, we were, we were together a lot. You know, we were living in rooms side by side, sharing a bathroom. We were on the ice together. Uh, when I was playing that first year, I played I was on the ice a lot with him. Uh, his parents were incredibly supportive and fed me well, treated me like her own. They were, they were fantastic. Uh, and the other guys, gosh, uh, yeah, from the first year. I was talking about guys like uh, Sean Bratton, uh, you know, oh, yeah. the, the Deitches, uh, trying to remember, oh, Robbie Kroll. Yeah. Oh, Robbie Kroll, the Deitch brothers, talked about those guys. I, I, was, I was listening to uh, Kyle Jennings' podcast. He told the story about uh, Jason and Carl and his club. Apparently taking a punch in the face. And as usual, that, that is the nail on the head. I remember... And you can tell a lot by looking at somebody's face, um, as everybody knows. Uh, and I've had even been poker player. I've been both of them poker players because you didn't know what they were going to do and weren't 100% sure if you were going to be comfortable with what they were going to do. And then on top of that, they could talk incredibly well. Like, oh, these guys are tough as nails. They're great on the clock. <laughs> uh, they're great people. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, so now, I mean, it's funny because, you know, obviously different guys remember different players for different reasons. Um, I mean, like I, I talked with uh, with Steve Lidke, and he was telling me about how tight he was with Kyle. And, they, and Kyle said the same thing, you know, that he's really him and Steve were really tight from that team. And they're still, you know, yeah. pals to this day. And, Steve, yeah. and and it's funny because Steve never told me in his podcast about how he used to name his sticks after, like, oh, Super yeah. Hero. Do you remember that? I think he, I do. I think he pulled him to bed, too. I might be, I might be mixing guys up, but I think, I think he pulled him to bed. I think he actually, like, literally put his towel or whatever it was that he had in the bag. the sticks breathe under the blanket i love this oh my gosh if nothing nicky if nothing else buddy you just cemented a great story uh in regards to to Lidke. oh my god that is too funny and the funny part is too you know we didn't mention this but uh Crowley, Rob Kroll, of course, infamous for his uh, little stint doing the slap shot, the Odu slap shot against the Motor City Chiefs in the in the playoffs in the in the I believe in the Gold Cup championship game. 
believe so. I, I remember I could not believe my eyes. I mean, I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't even put together that somebody would have the, the awareness, let alone, like, the stones to do it? To do that. Yeah, I was just, I just couldn't believe that I was watching. Oh, man, that, unbelievable. that is, the but if anybody was going to do it, I mean, he's the man. <laughs> Good old Crowley. He was built like a square. He was probably just fine with anybody. Yeah, I bet. He, he, he's a tank, man. He was something else. And and it's funny because I've, I've talked to him a few times since then, and he did a podcast with us too. And it's just so funny because the guy is like the ultimate family man now. And, it you know, he uh, you, you don't associate – him with uh, what he did back then oh my gosh between between that and always getting into you know getting into scraps and whatnot he was he was definitely he was definitely the tough guy uh but, but yeah same family man i tell you what he was, he was he's a loyal guy he, he was loyal to us he was um, when i played with him uh, i could ask him to get in on the ice he would have helped me out if i needed it so, I mean, it, it probably transcends Maybe the reason why. Yeah, that's. I mean, that does make sense because I mean, when you look at what you know, I mean, of course he's like now he coaches too. You know, he coaches the younger guys. Uh, I think at the. I don't know if it's at the Pee Wee or Bantam, but um, he's uh, he's still coaching, and of course, uh, you know, he's uh, he's he's something else, man. I'll just say that he is just something else. But uh, I just trying to remember. And he, he, I think he was, uh, if I remember correctly, and he told me if it's true or not, well, I hope it is. Wasn't he a professional umpire for a while? Yeah, he did. He also umpires baseball. Yep, he was. I, yeah. I, and yeah. I, I don't know if he still does or not, but I know for a long time he did. Uh, so right. up in I Michigan. Love it. I love it. Yep. So now, what can you tell me about your time with the Deitches? Uh, the Knights Brothers? Yes. Oh, uh, they were just tenacious competitors. They're hard nosed. Uh, Jason has an incredible shot. Bangler. Uh, great hands. Uh, uh, Josh is just tough. I mean, they're both tough, but he's physically just a, a tough adversary. You know, big guy. I never played, I just played against the practice. He's a challenge, yeah, that's for sure. Um, now, do you, uh, do you remember your goaltenders? Sammy uh, Horton. Sam Horton. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I remember Pobiak because he had the chops going. He had the sideburns going. Oh yeah, he had style. He probably still does. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Something else. Uh, and speaking of Burns, couldn't go with at, at doing this without talking about Ronnie Burnside. Oh boy, I he got, I heard him get mentioned too, and and I heard Kyle Jennings say he bled through his lip every game, and I think that's probably accurate. And uh, I, I remember the same thing. I remember, I don't know, let's see, we were Metro. I think we were playing Metro. It was, I think it was the first time I saw him get through his lip. saw him fight through his lip or whatever he did, just open his lip up every single game. But he was just a ball of energy. I mean, uh, he's going, oh, rumble strip there, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. He'd go into the, uh, he'd go into the corner and it'd be like Tasmanian Devils there and then he'd come out with the puck and 
time, and I just blood just pouring down his chin. No questions asked. He didn't. He, he used buddies with JD, and he's J D. Oh, JD's like, ah, oh, you got a picture, so you know, take care of your face. And then take care of his face. Back at it. I was just like, oh, so, so that that's like what we're. I I get it. Okay, I got it. You know, and, it, uh, yeah, that's, that's typical it. hockey player. <laughs> typical hockey player. Yeah. Still yeah. Bleeding all over, but so what? Let me get back in there, coach. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize until I stopped playing hockey that not everybody liked that. I, uh, I learned to skateboard as a small man, twenty-eight year old or something. I learned to skateboard with guys that are really, really good, and we learned on a really good ramp and. Uh, and I didn't, I, it took me a minute to figure out why they liked skating, and I realized that they, they liked watching me learn, because I was really good at crashing really hard to get back up and trying again. I didn't, and they always make me trip, oh, you're a hockey player. I'm like, what the hell are you like, a Like, I just suck. And they're like, no, no, no. It's like, you have to fall down a bunch to get good. It's like, cliche, but uh, it took me a while to figure out a lot of people meetings like that and they're like, oh, Yeah. Now, you know, tell me what you remember, if anything, about uh, the Nationals at Tam O'Shanner that year. Uh, The the, the game that I remember the most is obviously the win. I mean, of course, I remember the championship game, but, you know, that didn't turn out the way we wanted it. But the biggest win for me, one of the biggest wins ever for me to this day, was when the Cherokee beat the New York Apple Corps. Because they were like, they were like the brand. I mean, they were like, if you played for them, you were a stud and you were going places because they were just that good. True. Uh, but I have to, uh, got to be honest, I didn't, I, I wasn't even on the team in that game. The, the, the Right before the trade deadline, uh, Jerry called me in the office that first year, and he had a very frank conversation with me that I respect the way he approached it entirely. And he said, "Hey, you know, we got uh, we got more guys to carry on the roster. There's a handful of you that I'm going to have this conversation with, and I want to give you the opportunity to go play somewhere else because you won't play if you're going to if you stay on this roster." Uh, and so I told him to trade me. And he said that I want to eat, eat, you know, go and learn. And so he traded me, uh, which was tough because I, I, I really, I knew that team was incredibly good, but I don't think in my heart I could have felt like a true member of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, all right, trade me. And he did. And I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, and he was super nice about it, loved me come back next year, come to training camp, uh, you know, in fact, he told me to come back, and the team he traded me to uh, was terrible, and they, by virtue, right, I was on the power play, penalty kill, started every game, double shifted, you know, everything, and learned a huge amount, but he told me to come back after after that season was over, because it was pretty evident they weren't going to be going into postseason stuff, and then I could uh, just join the team again, so I was there, I was at the game. Um, but I wasn't even on the official roster. I was, I was in the locker room, but I wasn't the, on the official locker room or on the official roster for that game. I can't claim the heartache, but it was hard to watch. 
Yeah, I understand. That's understandable completely. So, uh, so you go through that, you see that, and again, like I said, the Apple Core back then were they were the they were oh, incredibly stacked. Yeah, you know, they had a couple future NHLers on that team. Uh, you know, yeah, I and, think they won it the year before. Uh huh. They if not, they were I know in the thick of things, but I do I'm I think you're right. I think they did win it be, the year before. But Apple Core Henry Lazar just died. He was just a magician. He knew what to do as far as uh, stocking his program with the best players at the different levels, whether it was Junior A, Junior B, wherever. Uh, he just he knew what to do, and the and the kids in the East Coast would you know flock to that program. But uh, when we beat them two to one, and I just remember Pobiak played out of his ever loving mind. He was insane. Yep. Uh, that that day, he he had his game going. I think we beat him like two to one, something like that. And he was just yep. he was just the bee's knees. And uh, so you know that I mean people. Oh, he, were, he he stood on his head. I remember. Uh, I remember incredibly well uh, being thoroughly impressed with him in that game. Yep, and of course, probably the most superstitious human being. Well, of course, all hockey players to some degree are. Um, <laughs> But uh, so now let's talk about you, you, you know, that stuff happened. You come back, you watch, uh, you come to camp the next season in that summer. What went through your mind when you went back? Um, that I knew what I was going into. Um, I had a greater idea of the expectation and the, and the entire dynamic. I mean, coming from Mexico. And not having played a high level of hockey previous to that first year, um, I, I, I had a lot to learn. I tell you what, and um, uh, I think steering, like I said earlier, probably not that well. But I think steering took me that first year because you can tell I was incredibly hungry. I was athletic. Uh, I was tenacious. Um, and he thought, "What the hell? I'll just take this kid. If nothing else will motivate people, right?" Yeah. And uh, and coming from a place that he doesn't know anything, so maybe maybe I can maybe I can help him learn, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't get a lot of game time that first year, so the the nine games that I played in Albuquerque, uh, like I said, I I showed up and I played two I had two practices and we went on a trip and I was I started on power play, then we go double shifting, uh, scoring goals, making plays, whatever doing the things that feel good, um, but uh, uh, lower level of play. Uh, so I came back, and I, I, I had some experience. I, I played um, on a, in a lesser league on a lesser team, but at that level, and had tiny bit of success. So I kind of had a little bit more confidence. I knew the coaching staff. I knew the routine. Uh, I felt better, and I, I remember knowing that I was going to prove to them that I may not be the best guy on the ice again, but uh, I was a way different player than I was the year before, and they better take me because I was going to show them that they better take me. Yeah. Well, what was the reception like with your with your family, like with your mom and everybody? I mean, was it, like, uh, confused? Was it uh, angry? What, what was it like for them? Reception for what? Your first, when you got uh, traded to Albuquerque. Oh, uh, no, no, nothing, 
nothing negative. Uh, I think uh, probably more than maybe the coaching staff would even know, um, we were incredibly cognizant of uh, where I was, what my role was, uh, what people at that level are trying to achieve, and pretty small-time business, but small-time business, and uh, you're a part of that, uh, uh, an asset within that, so uh, the coaching staff was always, always uh, straightforward, honest, genuine, uh, so my parents, as far as I understand, respected them greatly. Okay. Well, I just meant, you know, in regards to the whole, uh, the whole Albuquerque thing, so... But you come back, and uh, tell me what it was like when you went into that camp, um, as far as from your own personal um, expectations of yourself. You know, what did you go in there? You know, you were gonna. You told me that you were gonna play to where they had to keep you. Um, was it good to see a lot of familiar faces back in that lineup? Yeah, I mean, I. I, I... think he will he lives but, up in he lives up in calgary so so um did when you finally realized you made the team that second year uh what first off what uh did you feel your role was uh, did it change at all from the first year 
as far as any sort of leadership responsibilities or uh, maybe the 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 fact that you could uh, you could chirp uh, or you could be uh, one of those guys that uh, behind the scenes type of guys. Uh, what kind of stuff did you feel you were going to be doing in that second season? Um, I, I can only speculate because I've never had a, a dialogue with Julie or Omi uh, about what my role truly was. Um, but I had a few dialogues for Steering sort of hinted around it. Maybe he was just being an ultimate motivator. Maybe he was just being nice. Uh, but I think there was a, a truth to it. Um, but yeah, I was a, I, I was a motivator. I was a, a locker room guy, if you will. I was the guy on the ice in practice that, uh, and there were, there were a couple of us, um, that I was amongst a couple guys in practice that were going to keep coming at you because we were on the best team in the country and I want to play. And if you falter, I'm going to take your job. And so you better keep playing. Derek Stone, Mike Kellemeyer, you better keep scoring. You know, you better keep, uh, you better keep doing your job and you better even get better at it because otherwise I'm going to take it. And those guys are just nations and nobody's taking their job. So I think part of my role was to, to be that, that fire in practice. Uh, um, and, uh, and kind of my whole life has transcended since then, but kind of a stoke man, if you will. Um, just bring a good attitude, work hard, hang into people, have a smile on your face. Do it again tomorrow. Okay. Um, so, uh, how many do you? I, I don't expect you to remember this, but do you remember how many games you got in that second year? I don't remember. Uh, I say half of them. Okay. Well, still, I mean, you earned you, you earned your ring. So don't you know? Don't uh, let that. I mean, if you only played in one, that would be right. No, no. Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, I. I, I I had my fair share of game plan, and then when I, uh, uh, I, I worked my way, I think, you know, my, uh, the highest level within the lines, I was, uh, I was a third line guy, I was a uh, checking line, I'd play with Coon sometimes, bang into guys, I'd play with JD sometimes, bang into guys, because then the same, the same tenacity or ignorance or, uh, just, uh, uh, masochistic desire to be beat up or something, uh, I, I was happy to go just run guys, run into guys, just bang into guys over and over again, and just take whatever they gave me and, and work hard to get the puck and make a nice pass and let one of the skill guys score. Well, you know, you talk about those guys like Coom and and Stummer and and, and Meyer and those guys, Thiessen. Oh my gosh, uh, I just remember also too there were some. I mean, those guys all were effective. I mean, let's be honest, they were junior A players that were playing junior B because back then there weren't the number of teams that there are now. I mean, you can, uh, there's like 450,000 teams now in, in, in at the right. junior level. But, uh, I know I've counted. No, anyway. Um, but the, the idea is, is that back then, uh, I can't remember who he told me, I think it might've been uh, Jennings. Kyle Jennings said that there was only like eight teams in the North American league back then. And, you know, yeah, there was only a handful. Yeah, and then there was probably not much more of that than that in the USHL, which was tier one. Yeah. Uh, and or you know, so major junior A they called they build themselves at that point. Anyway. Right. Um, 
it's it's really hard. so the the there wasn't there were a lot of guys that played in junior B that were like insulted to them and yet they were playing they were just it was just a numbers game they were a junior A player playing junior B in today's junior A or today's junior programs they would all have been tier 2 all have been tier 2 like playing in the North American League because of how many teams there are now but uh, easily and probably a couple that probably would be playing in the USHL if there was more teams but uh, like there oh, yeah, is now so you know so the fact that you were able to hang with those guys you know regardless of your role the fact is you were good enough to be there so you know I tip my hat to you because you know you re- you got to remember how to remember how good you you got to and how you know to celebrate a national champion all that stuff that's great you got to also remember where you came from you didn't come from a, a Detroit market or Toledo or you know you didn't come from Michigan or Minnesota or or the East Coast or New England those are all hockey hotbeds you know where kids learn from the time they come out of the womb okay right. you can you came from literally nothing nothing and you made something you made something happen and god bless your mom you know for, for <laughs> doing what she did you know all oh, of that she's, she's the first uh first heavy coach i had she's a good one was she pretty tough on you oh she was uh i'd say the opposite i'd say loving to the point that you why on earth would you ever do anything that this loving woman didn't want you to do and she will give you anything, and she will go to war for you. And uh, probably the toughest person that I've ever encountered as well. I mean, and uh, so you did what she said. It's like, why would you not? That's that's awesome. You know, you know they always say behind every good man there's a there's an incredible woman. And so you know, hey, thanks, mom. You know. So, well, I gotta say now, I mean, if I'm gonna pay testament to incredible women, I yeah, to, uh, to keep reins on. Um, the idiocracy that sometimes is me, uh, I got to tip my hat to my, my wife that had nothing to do with the Cherokee, but so, my wife for putting up with me, <laughs> putting up with me today. That's right. You know, that you had one back then that put up with you and now it's just transitioned over into your wife. So, but that's all right, Nick, because I say the same thing. I met my better half because of hockey and yet she hates the sport. I, I'm, I'm like, honey. If it wasn't for this sport, we wouldn't have met and we wouldn't have been together. And she's like, I don't care. She's got the really heavy-duty southern accent, too. So it's like, it's oh, God, she had me at the word go, man. When she started talking, I'm just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, this is stupid. And, you know, she's sitting there. I mean, she could have said anything to me. Like, you know, look at me and go, you're so fire. And I'd probably be there going, and I'm so, like, lullabied by her uh, accent. I'm like, I would have went. Thank you. You know, it's like right. I, she just she could say anything with that accent, and it would be like the most adorable, adorable thing on God's green earth. And I mean, to to this day, Nick, to this day, I have to go and be a uh, translator between her family and mine because oh come on, be, seriously. I mean, they're she's from the mountains, okay? And they're in those. Right, right. They've got those hardcore southern accents i mean hardcore 
Like, you know, oh, I know. I know. All that's missing. <laughs> all that's missing in the background is the banjo playing. Okay. Uh, right. You know. So, and then, then of course, my family—they're all Midwestern, so they're, they've got the deer in the headlights look, and they talk fast. So between their hard accents and my family, who you know, we're, we're you know, we talk with our hands, we talk fast. You know, it's like neither one understands the other. So I have to go. I have to. I have to translate. So I mean, it's like it's like the United Nations between, you know, it's not quite Hatfield and McCoys, but still, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this is insane. It's just insane. And so I understand all well, this stuff can, too well. I can appreciate the southern accent. I, uh, I, I didn't leave Kentucky too far behind. I, uh, I you know, as far as the you mentioned banjo, I played the bluegrass band even for a couple of years. So I'm, I'm not too far from the. Oh, you have to tell me about that. That's that you must tell that story. Uh, well, um, I played the violin. Well, that, that's actually the one motivating force that my mom had. That's the one card that she played, and she knew she had. When I was about the same time I started ice skating, my brother decided he wanted to play the violin as a five-year-old, and oh, Lord. me being a three-year-old, I had a you know, two-year-old brother. I did anything he says. And so I wanted to play the violin. And my mom um, loves and appreciates music, but is not the most musically uh, gifted uh, player. Um, and so she she saw that we had some interest in playing. And I don't know if it was the next day or the next week, but we were in violin lessons. And um, that was the, like I said, that was the one thing that we had to do. And she would always hang it over our head. She'd say, well, you, you said you wanted to play. You know, I would be a 15-year-old young man saying, I was three years old, Mom. And <laughs> she'd say, well, if you want me to pay hockey dues, I guess you're going to go to practice. You're going to go practice your violin, aren't you? And so I practiced my violin every day because I wanted to play hockey. And wow. Actually, when I, when I left home, I, I literally... We was on vacation with my violin. I had to get up every morning a half hour before I would have had to get up to play the violin for a half an hour and then get ready for school and go to school. And if I didn't, shoot, uh, I wasn't allowed to go to hockey. So I did it every single day. No way I was going to hockey. And then when I left home to go to the Cherokee, I, uh, I, left, I left the violin at home and said, I'm done with that. You know, I'm quote unquote a man now. I'm not living in your house. Um, I'm stopping, so I didn't play violin for 10 years, and then uh, I didn't play any music for 10 years, and then uh, I started playing again, and I went camping and was playing the violin uh, on a lake. We went to mountains, and uh, the next day, some guy walked up to me and asked me if I had been playing the violin, and I said yes, and he said, do you want to play music with this singer-songwriter woman? And I said, sure. And, and the next week, I was playing music in front of people with this woman. Um, and then somebody saw me playing that and invited me into a bluegrass band. And I was, all of a sudden, I was in a bluegrass band. It's like a Simpsons episode. Oh, my God. And then, uh, and then, and then the bluegrass band, uh, I don't know, lost luster, I guess, for me. And they were kind of going in the direction of wearing a... <laughs> costumes in my opinion and uh, I, I wasn't really down for that so my brother likes to make me say creative differences oh is that <laughs> it <laughs> oh gosh 
Oh, that is too funny. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm still trying to picture this, Nick, and I can't. I honestly can't. But you know what? Good on you because it helped. helped form. It helps. It helped sculpt who you are now, you know? Uh, it, it was formative, man. I mean, it was, like, I mean, it was directly related to talk. There was no negotiation. You either played it or you didn't go play hockey. Is, I love this. The, I, I love hockey. Yeah, apparently so. Now we know how much. Yeah. <laughs> now we know how much. I mean, it's too funny. Uh, but so now, here is where things get uh, get to be fun, and that is talking about the team in '98. Because yeah. I mean, that team was a powerhouse. Okay, no question about it. That team was a powerhouse. What was that like? Uh, playing some of those teams, and I think you guys lost something like three times the whole season. But I mean, I know there were a bunch of ties near the end, but um, it was still. Yeah, I dug up a stat sheet, and I think it was like I think we lost two games and tied five. And we won like I don't know twenty two or twenty three or something like that. But uh, the thing was, is that still, I mean, you guys were a powerhouse. With the weapons you had, I mean, we talked about some of those guys already, you know, Kalemeyer, Coom, Stum, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember, Brandon Meisner, and of course the guys like uh, JB, Justin Benjamin, uh, Neil Price, Neil Price, Andy yeah. Lahovey, you know. Mike Marchand. Yeah. Correcting goals. Yep. And, you Bo know. Jack was Bo Jack was 16 years old. He stopped. He, like, the kid to the hospital with a heart murmur because he shot the puck so hard. Yeah, not I mean, only... They, they were like, what? Who the hell is this kid? Exactly. Yeah, he, he was looked like little, he was about 40 with he like... He me for lunch, and he, he, he apparently shoots 150 miles an hour. Like, what the hell is this kid? Yeah, you know, and it was funny because he looked like he was like, you know, like uh, just got out, got out of the factory, you know, working second shift with, uh, with the full beard and and, uh, you know, he was a hunter, he's a hunter and everything. So, you know, you expected to see him, you know, where there with the wife and, and four kids and he's only 16 years old, you know? Oh, oh my God. And yeah, he had a cannon for a shot. No question. That was incredible. Um, yeah, that was an incredible group of guys. You know, and tell me what you remember about some of those guys like, uh, JB and Lahovi and, and, and uh, Neil Price, those guys. I mean, I know Price and JB were from Pittsburgh. So was Bo Jack. Yep. So I yep. never, I never uh, could just call him Bo or Jack. I always called him Bo Jack. Bo Jack. Right. Uh, I mean, those uh, let's see, uh, incredibly skilled players. Andy Lahovi, I remember, I thought he was hilarious. Um, he would be cracking jokes nonstop. And I, I don't know if he was actually funny or not, but I thought he was hilarious. Because I just, he would he'd be on the ice and say a joke. Like, uh, I mean, in the middle of a game. And he'd just be like, I, I just, I, I didn't know where he got where with all the, be performing at the level he was performing at and uh, have the wit to be cracking jokes about the circumstance around him. Um, he was a class to play with. Play with. Um, I mean, everybody on this you know the yeah, Neil and those, those guys, I, I remember just, they were what the 
amazing addition to the team from the year before. I mean, those guys show up and they're just putting the puck in the net like like they were able to do. And it's just like, oh, so you guys are awesome also. Great. Well, that, that helps. <laughs> yeah, those guys those guys were incredible. Um, and of course, I remember J.D. J.D. Ring, I remember in that second year, I think, I think it was the second year. J.D., I don't even remember. No, I think it was the first year he played. He didn't play the second year. He, I think he aged out. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, uh, can I tell a story about him? Yeah, please do. Wide open. I remember there was uh, an exhibition game. I don't remember. We were playing somewhere in Canada. We talked up for a couple hours. And there were a lot more people than I anticipated at the game. Um, we were playing. I don't know who we were playing. But uh, played our game. Whatever, third period, they're tough guy. JD was going to obviously be our tough guy. Uh, their tough guy recognized that. Uh, they decided to have an exhibition. And, and that was kind of my first uh, acknowledgement of how serious it could get when a couple of big boys start, start going. And I, it was, <laughs> I remember just being like, wow, this guy means business. He's got a. He's the only guy that's allowed to wear the bowling ball Joseph helmet because his head's too damn big <laughs> or any other helmet. He's the only one that fits it. And he's, you know, a monster, another youper. Um, he squares off with this giant Canadian dude, and he just throw blows in such a fashion that I couldn't survive probably one of them. And I think J.D. broke his hand and, uh, I don't know, something. But uh, uh, that, guy was, that guy was pretty aware and pretty... pretty Talented at beating people up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. Great player too. Yeah. I mean, better with better with the puck than other guys. You know. And the thing is, JD now, uh, I think he's in Texas. He's a he's a uh, car car dealership. Works at a car dealership. Yeah. He was playing golf for a while. I saw him with Kellemeyer years and years ago. But after the Cherokee, Kellemeyer and I have been close connection of anybody. I. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a ghost as far as uh, keeping up with people. But um, uh, I, we saw him when we were teaching hockey school um, when we were both in college, I think, uh, down in down in Texas. He yep. was playing ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, and he did. And uh, then he went on to I think uh, some Honda dealership and stuff. But he came about four or five years ago. We uh, had uh, a reunion of players, you know, from the championship team, and we invited as many as we could find, and he he came. He actually came for it because we had for different years. It wasn't just for the it wasn't just for the championship team, but we had different guys from different years that came back, and uh, we tried to get whoever we could find because you know I didn't know how to get a hold of them. I tried to get me there. I couldn't make it. Yeah, so we had an absolute ball. And JD, of course, being JD, he forgot his skates. So he just he stayed he just hung around the bench and you know, uh, I think coached one of the games and stuff and we just had an absolute ball. And uh went to the reverse raffle afterwards and uh had all, all three coaches were there, uh, uh Searing, Omi and Bob Zion and uh Yeah, it was hilarious. We we had a ball and stuff and uh you know so but we're gonna do that again so we're gonna try and get together another reunion so be on be 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 aware that you're you may have to take a, a vacation day 
and come up here and, and, and be ready to go. Because that's so many people would love to see you. Not not you know for all good reasons. All good reasons. They really they really would. They'd love to see all of them. You know. And that's my whole goal is, you know, whether we play a, a alumni game or not, I don't care. Fine. But I want us to just basically sit in the stands, watch a Cherokee game, and have a couple of Diet Dr. Peppers and laugh ourselves silly. You know, that's that's the whole that's, that's the whole idea. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm glad you are. Um, now, when you, that year, things changed a little bit, didn't they, as far as, I know you had a, a billet family the year before. Uh, you went into the one and only year that the Cherokee decided to have an apartment. I did. And that was a that, that was a that was a little bit different living environment than the year before. <laughs> I, I think you might be right. It was uh, yeah that was that was a, a growing that, that was fun that was too much fun to talk about but. Uh, you can dabble around it. I remember, well, Kellemeyer told one story that's not 100% accurate. We won't dabble into it. But, uh, uh, we had a lot of fun. I remember one time, I don't remember who did it with me, but uh, we had five guys that were there. Avings was out in the front room. Me and Kellemeyer shared a room. And Gary and uh, Brad Coon had, uh, had their last room there. It was a little tiny apartment, but... I don't remember who was with me, but we, we were home and the other three weren't there, and so we decided we would move everything in the entire apartment. If I'm remembering correctly, everything in the entire apartment, we had like a shared courtyard. But we moved it all out, it was nighttime, and we took it all out of the place, and we sat out there for, I don't know how long, but waited for the other guys to come home, and then and we left the apartment looking like it had been broken into, and everything's gone. Oh. <laughs> and, and we just waited for them to come home and watch some panic, and then... And we're like, oh, we're just kidding. Now let's go to do a bunch more work and bring all of our stuff back in the house. Oh, God. <laughs> that is funny. Now, if, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a story that was told to me, and I don't know if you, if you were part of it or not, but you guys back then, didn't you have to go to Franklin Park Mall and basically carry out Christmas packages out to the cars for for customers and stuff? Yeah. We did. That was, uh, I, don't, I didn't even remember it until you said it, but we did for sure. That was part of our, uh, yeah, I don't know. Community service? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe we sold five extra tickets to get to that. I don't know, but, um, yeah, we would go there, and I tell you what, I, uh, it, it, it makes me giggle to think how much I would go to a mall uh, at that point in my life, because I don't even know the last time I've been in it. I mean, it's been a very long time. I'm not much of a shopper, uh, really, ever. But we weren't really shopping for merchandise when we were going to the mall then. Um, but we would go to the mall a lot. We didn't really bother to carry out packages because maybe there's a pretty girl you have to carry packages out for. Oh, of course. Yeah. Jeez, that's too funny. Now, did, uh, did you have to put on your Santa hat and everything else? I think we wore jerseys. Maybe we had hats. I think we were just. Yeah. Well, that I, still, I just think that's 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 funny because, you know, I mean, you guys did whatever you could to. They did whatever they could that team. I'll give them credit to market to market the Cherokee in the most efficient and cost-effective way they knew. 
meaning <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it that way. Emphasis on cost effective, you know. So, <laughs> well, yeah, free labor, man. Yep. Don't you kids but do anything not to get in trouble? Yeah. That's funny. Do that is funny. So now, you know, let's talk about the uh, championship tournament for a bit. Uh, yeah. That that was uh, that was pretty exciting stuff. Um, did you get to see any time in the tournament out in Simi Valley? Yeah, uh, I don't remember. I played in the semifinals, which is kind of a kind of championship, actually, um, as far as difficulty of opponents. Um, uh, I did not play in the championship game. I was a healthy scratch um, championship game, and let's see, before I don't remember the format, the format of the tournament, but the, the but. Um, yeah, it's tough thing. I played about half the games, I think. I played, uh, I don't know, the four-game pool, maybe it was three of them. I don't, I don't remember. I remember I was in and out of the lineup, but I, I got to play in the, kind of the most exciting one, um, that we took over Alaska. Yeah, Fairbanks. Right. Yeah, it was Fairbanks yeah. Ice Dogs. I got a picture in my house of that, too. I got a picture, uh, you might be in it. I got a picture that was taken from across from the bench, uh, where like JB and I are like mid jump over the boards. Like, I don't know. I, I can't remember who did it. I'll look at it when I get home. But sticks are flying. Uh, you know, the, the the small crew that had traveled to California with us was up behind us. That was an incredible game. Yeah, uh, and, and the I thing remember, actually. Or go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I remember. I, remember, I, I don't. I don't remember the final score of that game, but I remember after the first period. We were getting the crap kicked out of us, and we were not stepping to the challenge or playing to our ability level. Um, it, it, let's see. I don't remember after the first period, but maybe three nothing, maybe three one, something, but we were down. Um, and I remember the circumstance thinking, oh, this is probably one of those times where Syrian's going to come in here, and he's going to not really have too many nice things to do us. And he might even, like, damage some property and... Yeah. Uh, you know, do coach things. It'd be like, you guys are playing like, you know, dog crap, uh, shape up. Um, and I remember he made us wait, and I was always impressed by this, this move. This is tacky. He's, I, I've always been impressed by this move. That's probably one of the national championship finals. Uh, he, he came in, and he purposely waited. And I asked him later, like, if only made him wait. And, uh, but I don't know, I might make that up too. Um, but he, he waited to come in, and then he just started Rain praise on him. I mean, he was—he came in and he just was—he couldn't say enough nice things about our style of play, about our effort. You guys are playing so well. My God, just keep it up. You guys are incredible. Um, best period I've ever seen all season. I don't remember what he said, but it was stuff with that tone. And then he just walked out, and then we all just kind of stared at each other and kind of like, well. Uh, uh, I guess we have to, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the subconscious does, right? But for some reason, whatever it was, it, we rose to the level and we, we did what he forecast. I've always been impressed by that move. I don't know if I would have, uh, from a coaching standpoint, been able to be aware enough to know that's what my team needed. Yeah, no kidding. And now, and then the second period, if I remember correctly, that's when things really, uh, clicked in for Toledo as far as 
coming back and taking the lead in oh yeah you know tearing it up and i was on i was across from you guys i was up up across from you uh doing the radio broadcast back to toledo on radio uh you know because that yeah. was bef- that the internet was just in its infancy so you know a lot there weren't that hardly that many websites let alone ones that would do audio so i had to yeah. i had to do it live and i used a, a fax machine to do it live i had a phone line hooked up to a fax machine and we broadcast that back to toledo and uh well i, I remember actually uh, you interviewed me at the national championship yeah. um on that broadcast and i actually have a tape uh my girlfriend at the time um uh she i think she must have recorded it and then she gave it to me as a gift like i don't know later um yeah, I, I still got that. I thought about that today as I was driving before we talked. I need to dig that up. Oh, my God. Please do. That is incredible. Because I remember I talked to you. I talked to Marshawn. And I think I talked to Avon because he was, he was injured and couldn't play in the championship game. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um. but um, I'm trying to remember. I know in the in the third, we were up and we held on. And the place we just went nuts at it after the game was over. And I remember I couldn't get down there to celebrate because I was on the air and I ended up staying on the air till one o'clock in the morning, Toledo time. So it was like, uh, uh, 10 o'clock, uh, in, in California. So, you know, so, you know, we, you know, you guys were in there and, by the time I got down there, you know, everybody was already dressed and starting to head to the bus, uh, you know, and, and uh, I'm over there. You know, I'm just getting down there. And, and I remember uh, I had signed off because I, I remember talking on the broadcast at the end uh, with some of the guys that didn't get to dress. So I talked about you, uh, Avink, uh, Marshawn, and some of the guys that, you know, didn't get to play in the uh, – like uh gary thomas uh josh terza i think ian newcomer i don't know if he played or not him and mitch cruz but uh they were you know those guys are kind of in and out i think as well Mm -hmm. so i was talking about some of those guys too you know because they were they were there and i just it just uh i remember i kept talking doing all this stuff and finally so i want i didn't want to just uh you know, I wanted to end either at the top or the bottom of the hour, and, I, and by the time the medal presentations came out, it was already past the bottom, so I took it to the top of the hour, and like I said, I get in there, and uh, I get into the locker room, and Ferentz is still in there. Ferentz is still in there, Sotlos, and he's uh, yep. he's still in oh, his... What a guy. Yeah, he was still in his uh, hockey pants. He didn't have a shirt on. He was in his hockey pants. And Scott Williamson and I are standing there next to him, and he's drinking out of the cup. And he's like, and I think he said something like what they used to tease him with, which was, buckets off, blankety blank. And, uh, it, oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. God. That was, that was a good one to see him learn. Yeah. And, and Scott Williamson's looking at me laughing, going, his English has gotten so much better. And, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, typical well, yeah. drug. Girl humor from Williamson. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was on it. I tell you what, that guy. I mean, and I. I uh, you, you're getting me all over now because parents didn't talk about him. What a what a incredible human being showing up, 
doesn't speak a lick of the language. Uh, with the Renegers, I believe. Yep. Uh, and just, I, I just hanging out with them and just, uh, what a good-hearted guy. I remember in practice, the first guy to give him a hard time. Obviously incredible with the puck, but uh, I remember seeing the, a couple of guys kind of told him pretty directly, you're not allowed to drop to your knees when somebody tries to hit you. You have to, you have to take it. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. And then he just, and then that's what he did. And then he started playing, I guess, maybe at the time there was a little bit more European hockey and, and North American hockey. started kind of picking up a little bit more uh, <laughs> uh, North American style, I guess, and picking up language and learning how to call people out inadvertently. And, uh, <laughs> man, he was a good dude. Yeah, he is. Yep, absolutely. He's living out in Iowa what? now. No, not yet. Uh, oh man. <laughs> well, was, as best you can, as nice as you can, tell me about that. Well, I mean, you know, celebrations are allowed in the in the in the world. Um, yeah, I mean, we we won a national championship. Uh, we so I mean, for all you knew, we just won the Stanley Cup, uh, Olympic gold, and. us. He 
throwing up on the curb of the airport at the curbside check-in with this cop, with a gaggle of 25 other young men covered in Sharpie, just happier than a pig in mud, and, you know, <laughs> these, uh, you know, staff, whatever, parents, whatever around, just pretty happy, too, and, um, I remember being back on the plane and me and Mike just having our arms around the thing. I mean, we had a seat for the, for the cup. It was big <laughs> enough that we had, a, we had a seat for the cup. I got a picture on the thing. I have a framing that has that picture I described earlier of us jumping over the boards yep. with uh, a, a couple pictures from Panama City that uh, me and a, a, group of the, a group of boys went down to Panama City and, uh, you know, might as well have been the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and uh, on that, I've got a picture of me and Mike sitting on the airplane, and I think we're both pretty soundly sleeping, just just as cuddled up to that cup as you could be. And uh, pretty good, uh, pretty is, good way to win. Yeah, I'd say so. So um, let's talk now about uh, post Cherokee life a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. Where yeah. Uh, where did, where does the Nick Dachin train go to next? Oh, man. Uh, I went to Bowling Green. Uh, Brandon Rogers, um, who played for the Cherokee uh, before that. Uh, like I said, I got his number. Um, I think you may be talking to him a little bit about getting on him on here. From That's, I've reached out to him, and he, according, to him, according to you, he's saying, yeah, I'm going to do it, but I have not heard from him since. So you'll have to give him some in the pot of touch. All right. Well, go and stir it some more. Make sure that he uh, make sure that he does, because I want him to be on here. Um, uh, yeah, him, John Cotton. John Cotton was the chair of people. Yep. But those guys are at Bowling Green. It's right beside Toledo. I ended up going there to school, playing club hockey, um, having a great time. You know, uh, going to college, doing fun things like that, and, um, and, and hockey was a huge part of that. Uh, playing club with another uh, good group of guys. Um, that was pretty incredible. But then, uh, I, I moved, I left. I, I like the mountains. I love the mountains. Uh, when I graduated from college, I, I moved to Salt Lake City to snowboard. Um, and, uh, as, as vigorously as I committed my life to hockey, pretty much did the exact same thing with snowboarding. Um, and, and that's where I am now. But that was that was twenty years ago. <laughs> twenty years that, but now I'm evolved. I got two and a half years old girl that is almost as obsessed as her mom and I with the mountains and snowboards already. Rides chairlifts and wow, pretty pretty fun. Um, yeah, I just uh, kept, yeah, in college and my my life has been pretty much framed around sort of my passions and um, chasing snow. And, being mountains, and um, I, I remember actually, I thought about this too. I remember in the interview that you you asked me you asked me a question. I don't remember exactly how you asked it, but you asked basically, "What do I want to be when I grow up?" Um, and I, my answer was happy. And I said, "I want to do whatever I want to, whatever makes me happy. I want to have people around me that I care about that are nice to me." And uh, pretty much that's been that's been my my goal since. Hey, that's an admirable goal, and it sounds like you, you got it. You reached it. You know, got a wife, got a little girl. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, kind of a, uh, 
kind of a jerk. Doesn't mean I don't try to destroy it sometimes, but I've done pretty well. I've done pretty well. I got an incredible, incredible wife, whom I uh, adore, actually. Um, and she she drives me in the same ways that I describe all those coaches. And uh, I, she's, no, she's an incredible snowboarder. We uh, we actually compete in free ride events, which is somewhat um, notable as a 42-year-old man competing against 20-year-old kids in a pretty high level consequential activity. Um, and she's an incredible athlete. If I can get her to actually compliment me, boy, I know I did something good because <laughs> I can do things that <laughs> I can do things that I think are pretty sweet. She was like, Yeah, you kinda waved your arm a little bit. Well, it wasn't very fluid. You know, you could have gone bigger. <laughs> but uh but yeah, that's sort of that. She is the ying to your yang. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. She's, well, yeah, she's, she's a, uh, yeah, a powerhouse. She's a, That's she's pretty a, cool. I still play hockey. I played hockey. Uh, yeah, we. I'm going to miss actually the championship of the summer beer league in Park City uh, because I'm going to California to go surfing. But uh, on Sunday, you know, we, I played hockey because I like to get my get my hockey in. And, uh, well, let me ask you while, while we're just to wind things up here. Um, yeah. Do you ever uh, do you ever see yourself maybe someday coaching? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I I coached. I, I I taught hockey schools from when I was about sixteen through college before I moved moved west to snowboard. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I when I was young, I I coached. Uh, uh, actually, I referenced Tom Little, Travis Little, uh, my best friend growing up. Um, I coached his little brother, Tyler Little, um, with Tom, and I really enjoyed that process. And uh, my obsession with snow and snowboarding and mountains has uh, only left about enough space for me to play beer league a couple times a week, and that's about it. But now I'm a school teacher, and I got two year old life. I'm assuming is going to thrust me in that direction. The, one of the teachers at the school I teach at is. Uh, High school coach, uh, one of the local high schools. He's great. I can tell he's been he's been fishing, but he's eloquent about it. Try not to push too hard to scare me away, but I'll probably bite pretty soon. <laughs> oh man! Now, who do you, whose approach do you think will influence you the most? Uh, coach Little, Coach Omi, Coach Searing, Coach Zion. <laughs> uh the BG coaches? Uh, in different ways. I mean, Mr. Little coached me for essentially 15 years. Um, or, 14, I don't know, 13 years, something. So, I mean, he had more points of contact than anybody. He was incredibly, all in different ways, I guess. Diane, boy, what a hard-nosed guy. What a straightforward guy. What a just uh, black and white, um, tough, tough guy to be a player for. Um, because he will bludgeon you with insults, and he will be relentless until he gets what he wants, or he will break you. Um, which that's something to be said. You know, there's kind of a Bobby Knight greatness to that. Um, and Fearing, in my opinion, uh, like I said earlier, I think is was a mastermind behind all of that. He he truly understood uh, what he was doing and putting together a team. 
I reference it as well. I mean, I, I think the reason that he brought me onto the team is uh, because I filled a role for him. He had a he had a roster full of guys that probably were some of the better guys on all the teams that they played for before that. So maybe maybe somebody biting at their ankles or like chomping at their ankles um, to make keep them honest, you know. Yeah. Um, and he, he understood. Yeah, he, I think he was very tactical, um, and I think he also understood and a great asset that he he was none of our friends and he didn't want to be our friends he wanted to be our coach and he wanted to be a great coach of a great team and that requires everybody to have their role his role was the head honcho and that's what he did and he did it really well and he let Zion use his master's degree of you know hockey 101 or whatever it is that he made up a master's degree in and uh and he let Omi run the ship on the D, and uh, I tell you what, I would go down to Omi is part of the reason that I'm a school teacher now. Uh, that talks about influence. I would go twice. I went to the Omi Dome, the great illustrious Omi Dome at whatever elementary school he was a or still is a PE teacher at. And oh man, I was like, oh, these little kids have the coolest PE teacher since Mr. Kennedy, my uh, my PE teacher in elementary school, who is. I mean, I'm throwing out shout-outs, which clearly I probably don't all do. But uh, Omi, I go down to the Omi Dome, and those little kids had so much fun in that place. And he was such a cool, nice guy that just expected kids to try hard and have fun. And then at our level, he was a nice guy who commanded that you excel and have fun. You know, I always... Pre- yeah, I always- I always said that they were kind of the, like, Omi was good cop, Zion was bad cop, and Searing was like the staff psychologist, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah, you got you to gotta Omi, you go to Zion when you, you know, F up everything, and he belittles you and calls you names and makes you do head rolls. And then you go over to Omi, and he's like, it's okay, you know, like, just don't F up again. And, yeah, and then... Deering is probably not even on the ice, just like watching, taking notes. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it worked. Those guys were an incredible team. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. So uh, now, before we wind her up, a couple of things. Uh, I ask every every podcast, same thing to end it. What would the Nick of today, what advice would you give that kid that came to Toledo from Lexington, uh, what advice would you give him? Don't write checks you can't pay. And what I mean by that is if, uh, don't make actions that you can't follow through with. And if you're going to take an action, you better try as hard as you can to follow through because you've asked for whatever's coming your way, good, bad, or indifferent. And I think I understood that, but uh, I could have been beat up two times left if I understood that better when I went to Toledo. Besides that, uh, all the experiences were positive and formative and um, fun. I mean, it was a really fun period of my life. It was a really fun period of my life. I did a lot of fun things, a lot of fun people, met incredible people, felt like I was pretty cool. Um... Got to get interviewed at a national championship. I mean, shoot. 
I don't know if I, I don't know if I changed much. I mean, it was awesome. I had a smile on my face pretty much the whole time. I think. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, like I said, you know, a lot of it just goes back to, you know, the people around you, and it always it always does. Whether it was your mom growing up, uh, your coach as you got older, and then of course the influence Omi had on you to be a teacher, and you know the influence that you're passing on your passions now down to your daughter with the, with the snowboarding. I mean, that's say that's a pretty good life. Hockey's not out of the ring. She she went to her first. Uh, she got to go to her first game with the whole you know pandemic excitement of the last couple years. Um, she got to go to her first game that she watched Daddy play hockey and brought her a little stick and had a blast on Sunday. So that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to wind her up now with this, and I do this with every podcast. What would you like to say to Cherokee Nation? Because not only do the alumni and the alumni coaches and the current players and coaches uh, listen to this, but the fans, uh, et cetera, they all, the staff, they, there's a lot of folks out there that listen to this. And uh, I'm sure they'd love to hear something from you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that, I, I don't uh, Thank you, I guess. I mean, what a cool way to spend a couple years of your life um, as a young man and Learn about yourself and get stronger and challenge yourself mentally. I mean, I probably learned, I, I probably developed mentally um, in my ability to persevere and push and drive myself more in those two years than, than a, most two-year spans in my life. So um, that's pretty incredible to be able to benefit from. And uh, we are all who we are as a result of all of our experiences, the experiences I had with the Cherokee. I think benefited me greatly and made me a better human being and a stronger human being. And um, yeah, thank you. Keep letting kids play hockey and supporting them. And um, yeah, hockey's fun. Yep. Keep playing. Amen to that. Well, Nick, it has been great to catch up with you again. Uh, it's been a long time, too long. So I hope we can uh, stay in touch. I appreciate you doing this. And uh, hey, best of luck in everything you do. And uh, I hope to. See you behind a bench sometime. Oh, man. Uh, it's been really nice to talk to you, Mick. I, it's been a fun walk on memory lane. And things pop into my head and my sporadic way of presenting them. Uh, hopefully some folks can follow and enjoy. But thanks for talking with me. It's been really fun. Likewise, my friend. Likewise. Well, that's episode 93 of the Cherokee Rewind. Uh, thanks for spending time with us here. Don't forget, you just all you have to do is subscribe to whatever platform you use whether it's TuneIn, whether it's iHeart, whether it's Amazon or Google Podcasts. All you got to do is put in Cherokee Rewind and subscribe to it, and whenever a new episode drops, it'll notify you. So for Nick Dodgen, I am Nick saying thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time right here on the Cherokee Rewind. <laughs>